podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Tis that time of the season when the ghouls and goblins prowl. Witches ride their broomsticks and bonehead wildcats howl. So scrape your claws together and make some chilling noise for your haunted wildcatters, those spooky Bosco boys. Boneheads, the boys are back, and while Grant is probably chasing weird animals that live in a bayou down in Louisiana right now, I got the single greatest person I knew to fill into his shoes. He is the head of the single greatest subscription site, this side of naughty sites on the internet. He is the king of the otters. The greatest bald man I know, it is Matt Hall of K-State Online. Matt, how are you doing? Really, really good. I mean, I, when I hear that kind of intro, it makes me feel like a very special person. And then I was thinking, you know, you say king of the otters. I mean, like, that, that could end up on a t-shirt. You know what I mean? Like, I could be king of the otters, and then we could shorten it up to, what would that be? K-O-T-O. You know, I'm just saying, like, that's, you said a lot of great things, but nothing better than being king of the otters, to be quite honest. It is the great greatest probably honor anyone could have. And I'll be honest with the boneheads, a little peek behind the curtains, uh, just because I'm an honest guy. Uh, this is the second time we've recorded this show. We did, we did the first version of it about six hours ago and, uh, the Skype recorder was not working. So, uh, it's working now and I'm sure we'll give the boneheads just as good of a show this time around. I think it's got a chance to be better. I mean, the heartbreaking part was I thought we did pretty well. Like, I remember thinking when we were done, like, well, that was pretty good, you know? Um, and then you hear the news, and it's not even, like, so discouraging to do it again, but it's just like, well, I'm going to be worse, you know, like the second time around. But now we've been honest. I feel good about that. So I'll feel less phony saying the same thing over and over again. And we're going to do a hell of a good job, I think. I, I agree with you, and I think honesty is the best policy uh, so I, I said we're just going to jump right into it. And, you know, if I know one thing, and I, I it's the Bosco's Boys brand. And one of the things that is the most on brand for us was our very long, hard, uh, grueling <laughs> campaign to start getting alcohol sales as a general concession item. Uh, the news came out last week that uh, Bramlage is going to have that honor. While it doesn't directly affect you because you're doing your big J journalist job down there on press row, uh, a, what were your thoughts when it first came out? And B, do you think that while they have been very upfront trying to tell people that this is not some pilot program for Bill Snyder Family Stadium in 2020, I can't help but think it actually is. So right. what are your thoughts on those two topics? I think I feel probably very similar to you on both. I'm, I'm somebody, I, I didn't have a really strong stance either way on whether or not alcohol sales should should happen in Bramlage or, you know, the football stadium. But um, it always seemed to me that they should. It just seemed like kind of common sense. You know, you know, there's a lot of people drinking at those events. Um, you know, why not be able to sell it there yourself and, and perhaps profit from it and make a better experience for the users. So that was, I thought, good news to me. I was happy to hear it. And then to me, I bet it's one of those things where I, I'm sure, 
you know, their, their, their real definition of this at some point, they haven't said to each other, well, Hey, this is a trial run, you know, for Bill Snyder family stadium, but whether that's been said specifically or just kind of implied or just understood, you have to think it is because by doing this, you know, I mean, everyone thinks that. So now if you do this and it goes well, and then you don't have alcohol sales in the stadium next year, that will, that will make sense to anybody. So yeah, even though I'm sure it's not maybe specifically a trial run, but it's going to be one, one way or another. I will notice one shameless plug in the uh, description of this episode. The latest collaboration between Bosco's Boys and To The Ville is up in our swag shop. It is the Octagon of Booze t-shirt. So if, if you're interested uh, in, in supporting the pod while having a super swaggy t-shirt, go and check that out. I think Will over at To The Ville did a great job. He's been collaborating with us for all of our swag and our merchandise shop. So I do have to ask you a question because yeah. John yes. Kurtz, John Kurtz, you know, God bless his soul. I think he had fun at the Chiefs game today until the final outcome. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He had fun. He had, I think he might've uh, had a couple adult pops today. <laughs> I, bet you, so my, I bet you he did. Yeah. So, <laughs> so my question, cause he was going around asking everyone this last week, if you were going to sit back and have a couple beers oh. inside of Bramlage with anyone who covers K-State basketball, who would be your choice? Okay, okay. Now, I gave you a different answer the first time. So to, to make sure people know I'm being phony, I, I said Mark Ewing the first time. And I really like Mark Ewing, and I would still really like to do that. But then I started talking to you on the last show we didn't get to re- you know release about, about Arnie Green from the Salina Journal. And he's a pretty fun guy. Um there's a lot, I mean, like, not, I don't have any great individual Arnie stories, but he's just kind of a guy who doesn't take himself too seriously. But he also does a good job and he's fun and he has like some understanding of things you wouldn't, you know, imagine. Like, he'll talk to you about movies like, you know, Dazed and Confused and stuff like that. So, uh, I'm, I'm fortunate that there's a number of guys I like I already get to have a couple beers with, which would include, you know, uh, uh, Scott. But I was going to say the whole name, I stopped. That was scary. Um, it was very dangerous. Uh, but anyway, give me Arnie Green, Salina Journal. That's my, my new official answer for this, Arnie. All right, so another thing, and I, I came up with this on the fly the first time around, but I, I still want to bring it up on this version. Uh, while all the original Octagon of Booze conversations were going on, Mr. Rob Cassidy of Rivals, I think he's down in Florida Correct. these days. He, he, he was talking quite a bit, and I asked him the question, well, if he was sitting down to watch a game and trying to put down the highest volume of Miller High Lifes during a college basketball game, he threw out the number 132 ounces. So I'm going to ask you, A, in a competition, do you, could you put down more than 132 ounces? And B, if I could fly Rob Cassidy up for a game <laughs> – and it wouldn't ha- it wouldn't be one you're covering, but if I could get Rob Cassie up here and if I could cover the cost <laughs> of a Miller High Life drinking contest during a college basketball game, would you accept that? I mean, I have so many thoughts on this. Uh, to answer the second one first, I think I I think yes, I think I would accept it. The problem I have is if this becomes you know like a, a game in person, even one that I'm not covering, and I think I could drink twelve beers and still probably come off. I mean, dumb, but relatively professional, you know, as a fan in a basketball arena. But I'm afraid, you know, I've criticized a guy before uh, for how he acted, you know, as a as a I'm talking about Nate Bucati. I'll just say the name um, <laughs> as a fan. So I am afraid that if I go do that and maybe I could make a mistake and do the same thing. So if it's like in a, in a home and it can even be recorded, you know, but if it's at a home somewhere watching the game, 
Absolutely. If I'm in the arena, I'm probably still going to say yes because I'm not very smart. But I do wonder if I'm setting myself for a mistake there. Well, if we do it in an arena, we'll make sure that's at a top of a section as far away right. from players as possible. And it'll probably be for like a UMKC game or right. a, uh, I don't know. We could convince Washburn University to sell beer for one night only. Right. We can uh, it, get it, it rowdy in Lee Arena. And I mean, yeah, and I'll just cheer for both teams. You know, I will just be a positive guy cheering for good plays. You know, I'll say, hey, that was a good play. You know, like over and over again. Well, hey, look, that was a good play for both teams. And yeah, as far as 132 ounces, you know, we talked about this earlier. That's 11 beers. Uh, I'm not a very talented drinker. I'm not saying like that I'm real tough and I'll handle it and be fine. Cause I'll be really sick after 12 beers in a two hour period or whatever. Uh, it will not be good for me and I'll struggle for like two days after, but if it's competition against, yeah, a national, I mean, a national rivals recruiting ex- expert who handles Florida down there for those guys and thinks he knows more about pro wrestling than me and more about sports and all that kind of stuff. I mean, yeah, I'll compete and I'll beat him. All right. Well, you guys heard it here first. Uh, support this, support this new goal for the podcast by, Buying an Octagon of yes. Boo shirt. Also, I mean, if we sell enough of those shirts, we could fly Rob Cassidy up, you know, in early November. I mean, I'm sure he has nothing going on before early signing no. period for football. So I'm sure he could easily make that happen. So Which if say, enough shirts get bought, we'll say, make it happen. Say if you one million shirts, if they can sell one million. I'll actually say this. Goal. If we sell a hundred thousand, so even less than a <laughs> million. There we go. Let if we like, saw 100,000 Octagon of Boo shirts, we're going to make it happen. So that's we'll reasonable. move on. F- oh, I agree with you 100%. Um, well, especially because all of the boneheads have so much money because they're winning over at mybookie.ag. Use promo code chair. Promo code chair, 100% deposit match up to $1,000. Hey, just so you know, you can gamble on almost everything over there, including Japanese league rugby and cricket. Oof. So. If you really want to get into the weeds and gambling, go to mybookie.ag, promo code chair, boom, knocked off that first sponsor. Um, so, real quick before we move on to the other stuff, staying on brand real quick, what are your thoughts of the new purple and white K-State basketball uniforms officially dropped a couple weeks ago? Uh, I'm a big fan of them. I've had my opinion out there. I want you to make sure your opinion is heard on our airwaves. I mean, I know people expect me to be positive about this kind of stuff, but I but I love them. I mean, I really, really do. Uh, I, I don't like uniforms that are incredibly flashy. So when you do something like change the number font, it really is a risk to me because I'm a big stickler for a number font that doesn't look like, you know, Oklahoma State's digital clock numbers when they were doing that. Or I don't like Kansas's number fonts that either of their uniforms. So that stuff scared me. But I love what they changed to. I love how understated the K-State is across the top of it. Um, like a lot of people, if I just, if I just look at pictures of the shorts by themselves, I don't love, you know, kind of the looped striping or the family on the waistband. But and I know you have, but when you start to see, you know, the more of a big picture of them, I mean, they look fantastic, and both of them I love. I, I really didn't like the purples in the past that were trimmed in black. I thought it almost washed out both colors somehow. But now with the purples trimmed and the white and the gray, I'm just a big fan. I think they're fantastic. I, I agree with you 100%, and uh, I, we will touch on this because I've hinted at, at this uniform a couple times uh, on this podcast, and at this point I'm pretty sure it's been seen by yeah. probably 10,000, 20,000 people on Twitter. Um, Riley House, for a period of time, actually had my favorite K-State jerseys of all time prematurely on the sales floor. 
Um, if folks haven't seen them, it's all over Twitter, but, you know, they're bringing back kind of that 70s-era home jersey, the uh, white white uh, jersey trimmed with purple and lavender with a script Wildcats in that same number font. Um, first off, I knew you are aware of these jerseys. I don't think you had seen them right. yet, but I think you knew they were on the horizon. So what were your thoughts, A, when you first saw that tweet, and B, what are your thoughts of those jerseys just, you know, looking at them yet to be seen on the player or officially released? Well, when I first saw the, the tweet, I mean, like you said, it's really two questions. I do think my first emotion, um, disappointment is too strong of a word, but I was a little let down. I mean, in the sense that I knew how special, you know, these are, and they still are. I mean, that, it's not going to change long term. It's going to be fine, you know. But, I mean, I knew how big of a deal these were to K-State, and then to see it kind of happen like that, I thought, well, that's too bad. And when I say that, we would have already talked about this on air and off air. Like, I'm not talking about the person who tweeted it. I think that's fine. They saw the uniform, they took a picture, and asked a question. Like, that didn't bother me. But it was too bad that they were out there like that. But as far as the uniforms, um, to me, and I've said this to you a couple times, like, my first reaction is I think they're the best K-State uniforms I've seen in any sport, period. Um, I love – the script Wildcats. I know I've seen a couple of people, and I don't disagree totally, but who say, oh, it'd be cooler if it was just cats. Like, I don't know. I really like it the way it is. Um, I like the use of the purple and the lavender and the white. I did. They're, so far, in my first impression of them, without seeing them on a player and that kind of thing, is that my, they're like kind of like you. I'm copying your thoughts, but it's it's sincere. Like, I think they're the best K-State uniforms I've seen. I know, especially that lavender trim. Yep. I'm just, oh, I, I absolutely love it. Um, so we will move on from hashtag on brand. Um, we're going to make that a segment as long as there's stuff that is pertinent to the Bosco's boys brand. And if something, one final thing that's on brand for Bosco's boys is getting a big hard erection when we see great <laughs> uniforms. And if, if, if you the first time too. And I, it was a different delivery this yep. time as well. Um, but I tell you what, if you don't, if, if, if it's time to get, you know, down and down for business in bed, you don't have a picture of some great K-State uniforms, you need a little help, you need to be going to BlueChew.com. BlueChew.com, you know, it's a chewable, FDA-approved ingredient, the same active ingredient as Viagra and Cialis. Uh, no awkward in-person doctor visits or any of that jazz. It's sent to you discreetly. So if you want your first month free because you don't want to put a picture of K-State sexy basketball uniforms <laughs> on your ceiling, go to BlueChew.com for the most erect penis in the game. <laughs> the best part of it, the best part of it is when you're as early into it, when you're saying if you're going to get down to business in bed, like you, you make you, you make sure they know that you're not considering anything else. You know, yeah, I mean, the rest, exactly. <laughs> the rest of the read wouldn't have made clear, you know, what you meant. Um, that's my favorite part, you know, like in bed. <laughs> uh, so uh, we're we're going to clip this one and send them off to the folks yep. at BlueChew.com. So yep. I'm sure they'll love to hear that. So, um, again, something that, you know, gets a boner going is Bruce is recruiting lately. <laughs> He's he, he just got his fourth rivals top 150 guy on the year with Davion Bradford, you know, joining his AAU teammate Luke Kasuki, ND four star Nigel Pack in the four star wing out of Florida, Salton Miguel. First off, tell us like about Davion's game yeah. and how he's going to fit into this offense. So specifically, you know, he's a seven foot two sixty guy, and it sounds like he's a legit seven seven foot. Now I don't have him measured as a, at a rivals camp where I can say for sure he is. The rivals guys like Eric Bossy and such, um, I've seen that height and agree with it. I think it's okay. So 
he is a legit seven footer. He's somebody who is, is, is trimmed up a little bit. His body looks a little bit leaner, a little bit more, more muscular than it did even a year ago. And it's nice to see a guy before he gets to college basketball, um, uh, make that work on his body already. So that's good. He is a good athlete for seven footer, but this is not, you know, this is not a, uh, lottery pick, you know, above the rim, head at the rim, high flyer all the time, that kind of big guy. He's going to take some time to develop. He's also not the McCall Wayne type, um, nor he's going to be guarding on the perimeter and switching every screen and that kind of stuff. It's hard for me to compare him, you know, to a recent K-State player, um, you know, because body type, you know, closer to the James Love or the Jordan Henriquez Roberts, but I don't know that either of those are good comparisons for him. Um, he did shoot about 70% from the field this past year, uh, you know, all dunks for the most part. Not a particularly good free throw shooter, a little in the mid-40s, so he does have some work there. Um, but he's a guy, like, I think you got a reference. He's he's played with Luke Kasubke forever, knows him really, really well. He's played with him since sixth grade. Um, he just He's from St. Louis, so getting that part of that pipeline. A uh, guy who had, you know, offers from Missouri. And it's funny, we'll maybe we get into this uh, when I talk about the next part of Bradford's game, but what I told you earlier about his recruitment has changed from what I've read in the last five or six hours. So that's interesting. Um, but as a player, a traditional, you know, seven foot big man, rim protector, uh, that kind of stuff. But um, he, he's a good enough athlete that he deserved to be in the 150. And he had a number of really good, really good schools after him. Yeah. So with when it comes to recruiting, this is now the second straight year where Bruce has had his best recruiting class, at least based on rivals rankings. Uh, again, you know, that isn't the end-all, be-all. I mean, we just right. graduated a class that had Dean Wade, Cam Soaks, Barry Brown. My opinion, the best trio to ever come through K-State. But what is it about Bruce that he's been able to hit on these two classes? Is it really as simple as, hey, they had two really good seasons back-to-back, and then you couple that with his work and just, you know, hard effort on the trail that it, the results are going to follow? I think so. I think it really is that simple. And and people always want to think it's something different or he became a better closer or he figured something out. I think he was just persistent. I think it's what it's what you said. You know, everyone, myself included, you know, gets excited two years ago when they go to the Elite Eight. You start thinking, well, boy, now you're going to land Kevin McCuller in that class and these other kids because of what you just did. Um, while that helped with kids in that era in that class, those recruitments were done. You know, I mean, you're just waiting for the final decision. They kids already had their impression of who you were as a program before those runs. You know, then you get to the next year and you talk about more big names, Mario McKinney and EJ Liddell and et cetera. And you think they can get those off of, you know, off of an elite eight and they don't get those. And you think, well, that's still interesting and and still disappointing. But same kind of thing. Those recruitments were very, very far along. And those kids had made their impressions of what K-State was. The winning helped, but it didn't totally change their mind. So now you look at this class and we, you know, we've talked about this some just, you know, off air and such. But you have four kids who, you know, when they were what, then freshmen in high school, K-State was going to the tournament, um, winning a playing game against John Collins and Wake Forest and, and going on. So when they're sophomores, now this team's going to the Elite Eight. When they're juniors, now they're winning the Big 12. So the class of recruits now have seen this program be nothing but very successful. And so it's that combined with the persistence and work ethic that, you know, Bruce Weber's always had on the trail. Um, I think it's as simple as that. I think it's those two things coming together. And it should, if, you know, if things continue to work, you hope just become a cycle that feeds itself and um, it can continue to get a little bit better, hopefully. So K-State's oversigned by one right now. Can we assume that they are done, or is he still poking around? And if the right guy comes around, they'll take even a fifth guy. I mean, almost every year if we talked about this, I would say, oh, they're done, or they're done. And, and I, you know, if I'm a betting man, they probably won't go beyond four, but that doesn't mean they're not trying to. You know, I know a name you've talked about on your, you know, on this pod and in other places is Jethro Muscadden. 
another rivals 150 kid four star uh, Texas Tech Louisville K-State KU are really the four teams to be thinking about for him I think they would take him he's much more in the McComb Wayne body type mold uh, if they could get him I think they would take him and figure it out and then the question of course becomes well how does that work because yeah you'd be two over at scholarship and that's worthy of discussing too but you know I think the coaching staff thinks that the team looks at it like hey we got a couple guys on our team like what if Cardi blows up you know and leaves early or what if so-and-so transfers away because somebody transfers away every year? I don't think it's a scenario where this team is convinced, hey, it means somebody's losing their spot. I think they think it's a coaching staff that's, you know, doing the right thing to build the roster. But if they get to five, you know, maybe that message changes it a little bit. I'm interested to see it. Um, but I think they would go to five with the right person. Uh, and then you you mentioned him, Jethro Muskondon, or Muskondon? Uh, I, I, I say Muskondon. It could be Muskondon. It could be Muskaden. But I say, I say Muskondon. Okay, well, where is his recruiting right now? I, I know at one point, I believe it, there was a quote. He said, we were recruiting him harder than anyone. Right. But man, he sure has quite a few big-name offers he, as well. He really does. I mean, at, at this very moment, you know, the four schools I mentioned would be, you know, K-State, KU, Texas Tech, and Louisville. I would think people, you know, smarter than me would tell you that Texas Tech is is probably, I don't know if out is, it may be too strong of a word, but it'd be very surprising if that's where he ended up right now. Um and then you got Louisville, K-State, and KU all offering kind of different things. I think I think he does think K-State's recruiting him the hardest. KU has been very hard on him the last maybe three weeks to a month. I mean, very hard. Uh, and then Louisville, maybe a little bit closer to home for him, at least original home for him. Um, and some people think they're kind of sneaking around. So depending on who you talk to or what day it is, somebody might tell you, hey, K-State's going to get him. Or I'll maybe KU or then Louisville. And I, I, I don't have a better answer than one of those three right now. Um, but it would be interesting because the other thing I was going to tell you, too, is I told you on our first recording that, you know, K-State really beat out Mizzou for for Bradford. Um, and then I read another thing I edited that I'll release on the site Monday from Flanders just talking with Bradford. And he was pretty open that he thought Missouri took another big um, before him that he thought eliminated him from Missouri one way or another. So he was looking at it just K-State KU and he had been to late night and that kind of stuff. And he felt like he had a committable offer from Kansas, but he took K-State because um, he felt better about it. So for me to say, oh, they beat KU for him might be stretching it. It would be. I think K-State had done a lot more work on him. But it was a kid, you know, that they had a battle like that for. And Jethro Muscotten, um, similar thing. You know, it would be K-State, KU legitimately fighting for a kid. Well, that's exciting times. Um, before we roll off into talking a little bit of football, um, you, you got to think with how Bruce has started recruiting in the core he now has – that, you know, a year or two down the line, that this is going to be a team that's going to be competing for the Big 12 again and making some noise in March. Do you think that the way things have been going, Bruce will be bringing home his third and maybe even a fourth Big 12 title? It's, it's hard to not think it's, it's it's hard to not think it's possible. You know, um, I, I wrote this in a story, so I'm sorry if somebody read that and heard me say this, too, but. Rivals 150 players, as you referenced too earlier, they don't mean you're going to be great or not great if you're not them. So I know that as I'm making this example. But, you know, the team that won the Big 12 last year and went to the Elite Eight two years ago had two players, you know, Dean Wade and Xavier Sneed, who when they got to K-State were Rivals 150 members. Uh, this this coming year's team will have three, you know, and Sneed and Dejuan Gordon and Montavious Murphy, two of those are true freshmen, of course, so that makes a difference. And then the next year, you lose Sneed, but Sneed but add four more in at minimum, and you're at six. So I mean, you have six. You have six scholarship players for three years running, assuming nobody leaves and stuff goes well. But you don't add any either. You know that they're going to play together as opposed to a group of one or two that went to an elite eight and won a Big Twelve for K State. So 
It doesn't guarantee anything, um, but I think it's not unreasonable as a K-State fan to look and think, wow, you know, we'll be okay this year, okay next year, and then two or three years from now, can we be back to where we were this year? And I think it's, I think it's entirely possible. Well, I can't stress enough to our listeners that the only spot to go for K-State recruiting news is over at K-State Online. You guys do a great job. Um, Derek Young is a whiz when it comes to football recruiting, but I do want to give a shout out to Flando yeah. because he he's only you know started doing this you know real full time for you guys what just a handful of months maybe right. six months and he's already killing it. I mean, no offense to anyone who's held the position before, but I don't know if there's anyone who's held the K State basketball recruiting beat before Flando that did a better job than Flando. Uh, I don't think so, you know, and I know you don't mean it this way, and if you did, it's funny, you know, but like I've done it multiple times and I've never been, you know, this good at it. Um, Derek would tell you that he wasn't as good at, you know, at, I mean, right away as, as covering K-State basketball recruiting as Flando is. I mean, uh, it's, there hasn't been, I don't think. I mean, then the thing I said, and this is just going to brag on him and I'm sorry for turning into an advertisement for people listening to it, but like I was in the car with him, you know, for a couple of days this week and, and I just told him, man, like, I thought you'd be good at this, but I didn't, I didn't think you'd be this good at it. I thought it'd take a lot more, uh, micromanaging from me, a lot more help from me, a lot more instruction. And he does all of it by himself. He finds out so much stuff that I don't know. I mean, with, without me that I don't know that he talks about that I don't know. He finds out things that I know, you know, probably people in the coaching staff read and say, well, that's helpful because that kid didn't tell me that, but he told Flando. Um, so I'm just, yeah, I just brag on him for a long time. And that's not to say I could do the same for Derek for hours. I mean, he's great too. I'm not comparing the two of them, but for, you know, K-State basketball, I'm just so proud of Flanders. And yeah, the work he does is really, really good. Yeah, and, and that wasn't meant to be talked down on you or Derek or anything. It, it, but Flando truly is a whiz when it comes to that. Oh, I know, I know. Just wanted to be oh, sure. I, I didn't want I didn't want Derek coming after me or anything like that. I was going to say if it was meant that way, it'd be right because Derek sucks. You know? <laughs> <laughs> he does not. He does not suck, and I want to make sure he knows that because I I, I think at I one point it. I can't I remember. <laughs> I can't remember if I said something on the boards or if I was just being a jackass on Twitter, but there was one period of time where I was like convinced Derek hated me because I like, oh. tried to make a joke and he didn't like it or something. Like I mean, that. I just don't think that was ever true, but I mean, if it was, it wouldn't surprise me because he sucks, you know? <laughs> <laughs> he's going to listen to this too. Like he's going to be, he's a loyal one. He's going to listen to this. I mean, I'll get a text or something and he'll say, oh, and I'm like, yeah, it's pretty funny. Well, I'll tell you something that is not funny, and that is if someone wasn't in any good health. K-State basketball, the cardiac cats are right around right around the corner, and there's still a lot of football season left. So if you need to get your ticker checked out or just an overall health checkup, I would tell folks to go to Kansas City Direct Primary Care for a patient, for a monthly $65 cost. You can, have, you can go visit them and their team of doctors at any point. They even have family plan, plans. They're cutting out the middleman. There's no copay. You're going to get greatly discounted services. You can have up to 30 minutes to an hour visits with doctors. And I tell you what, it's not those five-minute drive-bys that you get at other places. And it, you can't. I'm reading this and I get flabbergasted every time. They're going to do basic labs for around 10 bucks. You can get most x-rays for around 50 bucks. Medications up to 90% off retail. These dudes and dudettes are the real deal. I mean, I'm going to say, and we did this earlier, and we hadn't planned this out. 
I don't know the name of it, so it's not helpful, but they're not paying to advertise anyway, so it's probably good. But there's one of these places in Manhattan that me and Natalie and everything switched to. And there's not it's and I kept asking like what's like what's the gimmick to this? Because like you're saying, and this is not the ad part now, I'm just talking as me. Like I was like, Well, what's the gimmick? So like I don't have to have health insurance for this and it's gonna cover this and you're gonna let me do this many visits and this many prescriptions and that kind of stuff. And there's like, yeah. And uh, we've had it for, I don't know, four or five months. And um, it's really, really nice. And they've referenced it maybe the same place. They said there's a place in Kansas City that does it similar. Maybe they copied Kansas City. I don't know. But either way, if you heard what he just said and read that ad and you're like, ah, that can't be real, like, it, 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 I think it is. Like, I do it. Well, definitely. They're down in Westport in Kansas City. And go check out Ema Hero, Dr. Short. He is the man. There's a link in the website, so go check him out. Tell him the bonehead sent you, then he'll get a big smile on his face. So we are now going to migrate over to talk a little bit about football, um, and let's just you know call a spade a spade. So K-State started 3-0, and and they've struggled. They've lost the last two weeks. Is it really as simple as maybe saying, hey, the teams we played in weeks one through three honestly just were not that great, and we just played two better teams or is there something that you can pinpoint and boil down really say no this is the reason why k-state's lost the last two i mean i i honestly think it's more of the first part and people will hear that and say oh that means k-state's not any good and no that's not necessarily what i mean i mean it's what i mean is that they played two teams in weeks one and two that they were clearly significantly better than and played up to their level meaning up to k-state's own level so that was good those were two very good wins against bad teams k-state was still impressive um, and then you go to Mississippi State, who hasn't proven to be very good, you know, as we get a chance to see over the course of the season. But you still know they have good athletes, and I know they do. You still know it's a tough atmosphere. It's still a road game. It's the team who hammered you at home, you know, last year. So that's still a good win. Um, but, yeah, I think what happened is they've played two, two teams since who are better than any of those three teams, at least have proven to be. K-State's had some injury stuff to deal with and just some, some poor play in general that we'll talk about, I'm sure. Um, kept them from having a chance to beat Oklahoma State or Baylor, to be quite honest. But I think, yeah, I think if we're being just sincere and transparent about it, I think that's probably what it is. They beat three teams. At least two teams are way better than. One team that's probably a toss-up in hindsight, they beat. And now two teams that are you know more talented than them, they've lost to. And that's where we sit right now. So I, I think that something that a lot of fans, maybe a lot is too much, but something that's been easy for some fans to bandwagon on is the play of Skylar Thompson the last two weeks. Yeah. What have you seen from his play in those two losses and where do you come down on it? I know it's, it's uh, probably very hot takey of me because I've, I've gone the complete other way. I've stood in his corner and probably not been objective enough when it comes to his play, but you're, you know, you're a journalist, you have integrity unlike so me. Much. So tell me, so, yeah, exactly. So you tell me, how I should be feeling when it comes to <laughs> Oh, I love doing dumb people. Yeah. Um, I, I, <laughs> I think you feel about right. And I'm not, again, trying to disagree the whole episode, but that's how that's how I see it. And I do see what I would consider to be maybe too many people um, criticizing his play. And when I say that, it's not me saying he's great, he's perfect, K-State should be winning because he's been so gosh darn good. That's not the case at all. I think he's even had certainly stretches where he's played poorly in each of the last two games. But overall, I think I think he's been fine. And I really believe if there was, you know, not even great play around him, you know, but good to above average play consistently from the offensive line and the wide receivers, the offense would probably have done enough to be competitive enough to win one of these games. Um, and people would feel very, very different. I, that said, I think Skyler, you know, is, is struggling a little bit and he will continue to press more the harder it is. 
that's the problem. You know, I think I thought he played hits. People might disagree with me and they might be right. Um, the stats look way better against Baylor, you know, because of the yardage and that kind of stuff. And the offense moved it more, no doubt about it. But I thought he made more mistakes against Baylor than he did against uh, Oklahoma State. I didn't see a lot of plays off on the field against Oklahoma State where I thought, boy, that was Skyler's fault. Or, boy, he missed that. And I know everyone talks about him bailing out of the pocket against Oklahoma State, and he did. And usually that's bad. But sometimes you do want to change the launch point when you can't get it from this, the place you keep standing right in the center of the pocket. So uh, I'm rambling now, but I, I don't think he's a big problem. He needs to play better. Um, but, yeah, I don't think K-State, you know, if, for example, is sitting at 5-0 and or even 4-1 and if Skyler Thompson, you know, is just, is just doing his job, as, as someone maybe say. So uh, the biggest thing for me, at least in the last two games, has been the play of the offensive line. Um, I think there's a lot of things that you could point to. But one thing that is consistent between Baylor and Oklahoma State is they were playing that three-man front. Um, I, I, again, you know, just dumb, dumb fan here. Is, is the <laughs> offensive line's trouble, does that have any sort of correlation with the three-man front? And do you think that, hey, you know, maybe it's just, you know, the athletes they're playing, it wouldn't matter if they had three down linemen versus four. I do think it's both. And I mean that sincerely. Like I think, and I think K-State's coaches, even Courtney Messingham have admitted that they think maybe they got confused. Maybe confused is a strong word, but struggled with a, a three man front here and there. Um, and, and Messingham and those guys don't just say stuff to make the question ask or feel better, you know, like, I mean, so if, if they really had a couple issues, they would admit it and they did. Um, so I think there's part of that. Cause you don't know where the fourth guy's coming from. And then beyond that, you know, who to block. Um, but to me, I think it's more the other thing. I think it's just the level of talent. And it's kind of that first point, too. You're like, hey, is it as simple as K-State's just playing better teams and it looks harder? And I think, yeah, it kind of is. You know, Mississippi State's got good players for sure. Um, but K-State didn't light them up on the ground. You know, they weren't averaging nine yards a carry or anything. I think, you know, James Gilbert was averaging maybe 3.4, 3.8 that game. And K-State didn't, didn't blow up on the ground. So it started then. It slowed down even more against Oklahoma State and Baylor when you got to play from behind. So I – I don't know that something schematically has just changed and fallen apart. That's what fans want to believe sometimes is that, oh, let's just coach harder and coach better and play better and fix it. And some of that exists, no doubt about it. But I, I think maybe it's as simple as look at the kind of teams they're playing against, and that's the correlation of success or not success, you know, running the football. So K-State's playing TCU on Saturday, and something that TCU usually has is a dominant off or defensive line and dominant pass rushers. That definitely is not the case this year. So uh, we're going to be seeing a different type of TCU defense. Do you think that based on TCU's trouble rushing the passer, do you think it might be a game where they go all in on trying to figure it out through the air? Or do you think that the bread and butter still needs to be running the ball? And will they be able to do that versus TCU? I mean, I think what I think and what I hope, I guess, is that it starts, at, you know, and this isn't cliche. It's what I really mean. I hope it starts with the run game in case it is able to be more consistent in running the football from under center with the traditional ground game with James Gilbert and, and all those kind of things. But because it is also a TCU defense, like you said, it is different because of the lack of, of really star power up front and pass rushers, but they're always kind of a smallish fast defense and they still are. So you would hope you can take advantage of that some with physicality, and then you hope it can turn in, at least I hope it can turn into, um, you know, a big day through the air because hopefully you get a lot of opportunities off play action that you can let develop down the field because, like you said, they don't have these pass rushers who you can't block for three and a half seconds to take a shot down the field. So, I mean, it's a long answer to a short question, but I think it, it is the kind of defense that you have a chance to have a big day against or bigger than you've had because uh, while I, I certainly respect Gary Patterson, and they've kind of impressed me at times more than I would have thought this year, 
I think it's still not a particularly special TCU defense or TCU team. We haven't talked about K-State's defense much, but we'll bring it in before we go and end the show with a little bit more general conversation. Um, they're going to be going up against an offense that, that, while they have weapons, they're trying to figure it out at the quarterback position. First question would be, do you anticipate we see K-State transfer and Hayes, Kansas uh, citizen? Maybe maybe not citizen. Uh, uh, pro- pro- uh, product, product, yes. Yeah. Hayes, Kansas product, Alex Dalton. Everyone remembers uh, Alex. And, you know, shout out to Alex for his heroic performance versus KU last year. Absolutely. I think it's 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 easy as a Skyler guy. And I think Alex Dalton might have blocked me on Twitter because I was so outwardly a Skyler guy. I, I realized that uh, yeah. when he transferred. I, I, think, uh, I think he might have saw some of my Skyler tweets last year and blocked me. But uh, I do want to give him a shout-out for gutting out that win, basically on a broken shoulder, running it into the line a million times to beat KU. But yep. will we, do you anticipate we'll see Alex Delton? And if, regardless of if we see him or not, do you think K-State's defense is up to the task of shutting down their skill players and really forcing their poor quarterback play to make mistakes. Yeah. I, I mean, I think if there's an over under on simply will Alex Delton play or not, I would, I would take the yes. Like I bet he plays a snap or two, maybe even more than that in this game. But from at least my impression of following TCU a little bit and looking at their stats and watching their games and talking to a guy or two um, who, who knows more about than I do about them. Like they've pretty much gone to Max Duggan at quarterback um, sticking Alex Delton in here and there in run packages or blowouts on either, you know, either way, good or bad for them. Um, so he has, you know, more or less lost the job to a very talented true freshman. Um, so I don't, I don't think we'll, we'll see him a lot, if at all. You know, Alex Delton would be very limited, I would imagine. Um, but yeah, I think this is the kind of offense that Casey has a chance to slow down because Duggan, like I said, is talented, very, very inconsistent and inefficient so far. Um, and what's hurt K-State so much, like, you know, as well as I do, is, is explosive plays and big plays allowed the last couple of weeks. Jalen Rager for TCU, I think, is as good of a big play guy as anybody in the league. But they have such a hard time getting him the ball, really, for the last two years now that uh, he can't just do it himself. They have athletes in the running game. And, and you know, they, they have speed, of course, across the board. Uh, Gary Patterson really values that. But I, I think it's the kind of offense that K-State, K-State's defense can – you know, kind of sink its teeth into, its teeth into. No, they're not going to get big plays against them and be a little bit more aggressive. Um, and I, I think it's, they have a chance to hold this team under twenty uh, when this game rolls around and just shoot just a week now. All right, perfect. Um, I'm looking forward to hearing your or reading your guys's coverage of the game all week long. You guys cover the press conferences better than anyone in the business, so we're going to get out of here with some predictions. Some. Yeah kind of more wacky questions or anything like that. So my first question for you is, are you still trying to figure out how to cover a Big 12 team? I think, you know, I've had time to think about this, and uh, I still think I am. Th- uh, yeah, I am. You know, we're lear- I learn every day, I would say, and it's different. You know, different leagues, different. And, I mean, I guess it's the only league I've ever covered on an extensive basis. So now I feel dumber about it, uh, <laughs> but I'm still learning. Still got to figure it out. You know, it's a good question though. You asked me a good question there. Is journalism journalism at every level? I mean, it probably should be, you know, if you take pride, you do it the right way. I think it is, you know, of course people have their different schemes and their different things they like to do. Um, and that changes it. But I think if you believe in what you are, um, and just really, you know, uh, have a set of morals. Yeah. It's the same, whether you're at a high school paper or at there in the, uh, the 
Uh, I was going to say White House, but that would get political, and I don't have a side on that. So uh, the Super Bowl, you know, the Super Bowl, it's all the same. Well, there you go. If, if anyone needs help understanding those very uh, self-serving jokes by myself, be sure to go to K-State Online's YouTube page and check out Chris Conman's press conference this past week. The story I got to tell, and I got it on the last one, because I think people need to hear this, is like we, we – and if somebody wants to push us on it, we have visual proof – like we've been, been asked for weeks, like, can't you get the sound of the questions? Can't you get the sound of the questions? And we can't because we take Kleiman's audio from being fed to us by K-State. It's a long you know, technical thing, but they don't feed the question audio as well. So we'd have to find a way to get the question audio from a camera that's 200 feet away, blah, blah, blah. Flanders found a setting before the press conference. He's like, I think if I turn this setting up, it's going to make Kleiman really loud, but I can turn him down and then I can hear some of the questions. And so we figured it out. And then, of course, yeah, there were funny questions asked in the press conference. It's going to look like we just did it because of that, um, which we're not above doing. I mean, we'd do something like that. But it wasn't <laughs> it wasn't the case this time. And uh, I could prove it if, if needed to in a court of law. Well, I, I'm not going to take that to a court of law. And I'm okay. just uh, I, I just I, I had a lot of giggles this week. So <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll move on from that. So if if I were to walk up to you and put a gun to your head. And say I need to I need to have your prediction of what K State's win total for the rest of the season is going to be. What would you tell me that win total will be? Uh, I'm, I'm I'm I think I'm back down to six. I, I wrote this out the other day to figure it out. I fluctuated. I was started at six. I bumped to seven, probably eight. You know, silently. Um, but I would be at six now. I, I feel somewhat comfortable with it. I think there's more than one way they can get to six realistically. So I don't think it's a they have to win this game or that game to get there. But I'm at I'm at six right now. All right, same scenario, cocked it back. Where is K-State going to finish in the Big 12 in football this season? Uh, I still, I mean, this hurts to say, I still think around around eighth. I, I'm confident that K-State is better than Kansas and West Virginia. I'm not confident that they're better than Texas Tech and they got to play them on the road. Um, I think they're better than TCU and can finish ahead of them, but – uh, I, I would sit at eighth, and I know that's that's not a fun projection for people, but if it's eighth with six wins in a bowl game, I think K-State will be fine and move forward. I agree with you there. As long as we're bowling, I will be happy. So here's, here's my next question. I, there's not really a gun in this scenario, so I'll, okay. I'll put that down. I'll put that off to the side. Okay. But as we are sitting here at 4.54 in the afternoon on October 13th, 2019, are you more or less confident in K-State's ability to make a bowl game in 2020 versus where you were when the season started? Uh, more, more. I mean, and I have some new concerns. I mean, I still think I'm, I'm worried about the depth of the roster, maybe in some ways I wasn't before. I still think it's going to take a, a rebuild long-term when you have a very small underclassman group on this, in this program that was inherited, um, but more because I've seen, you know, now – now, as opposed to earlier, we see the willingness to play young guys, the ability to get some young guys able to help right away. Um, I, I think I think they'll be able to build depth more quickly than I thought. I think being in year two of your system is a big advantage. Skyler Thompson year two should be a big advantage. So a while ago on your show, I bet you could have caught me saying, hey, man, I think it's going to be tougher in year two. And I may have said something like that. Um, and I think you could still argue it. But I would say, no, I'm more confident than I was before. I believe it's fair to hope and expect that K-State can go to a bowl next year. All right, the gun has been brought back out. Gun uh, to your head. Sorry. Okay. Yeah, lots of violence. I, I apologize, but well, you know, I get stuff done. You know. It, it, <laughs> no comment. Uh, so, 
So the first exhibition game is only like 12 days away. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, and I think you agree with me. I'm going to really start this campaign hard. Move basketball start to January 1st. Do you agree? I have no argument, no argument against it, you know? I mean, like, I told it to Flanders, and he's like, no, man, because it's awesome when you've got NBA and NFL and college basketball and college football at the same time. Like, yeah, it is awesome, but then we don't pay attention to any one of them as much as we should. And then we have the rest of the year where we're like, boy, I have to pretend I care about this or that, you know? So, no, move it back. I've told I told Kurtz the other day, I honestly believe – May Madness sounds better than March Madness, so I don't even care about losing March Madness, or even Mad May would be a really cool thing to say, like, that'd be a lot of fun, um, so no, get let, let's move it back, so like, the games against Bethune-Cookman and whoever feel like a big deal, we'll talk about them all week, because there's nothing else going on, when right now, these games sneak in amongst the NFL, and amongst college football, and that kind of stuff, we barely even talk about them, so there's nothing wrong with it, let's make it happen. Well, I mean, if that happened, everyone would stop pretending they care about the Masters. So CBS probably wouldn't be happy, but I don't care. I'm not a CBS podcast. I'm a K-State podcast. So when that exhibition game does go tip three months earlier than it should be, gun to your head, (laughs) what's your prediction for the starting five for that very first game? My life on the line, I'm going to go with Sean Williams, no longer Sean Neal Williams, but Sean Williams, Cartier Jada, Xavier Sneed, Levi Stockard, and McCall Moween. I don't feel awesome about it. I wouldn't like to bet my life, but that'd be my five. Well, someone is going to die because we've had a little bit of uh, differences amongst K-State media. I believe that both John and Flando had Mike McGurl in there instead of Sean Williams. Well, so we will see what happens. Someone, someone might be in trouble come Saturday morning. Uh, I mean, I think now that I hear those guys say it, I mean, I think Mike's going to play more minutes than Sean, and he probably will start, and I'll probably lose my life. But I could see them trying to start Sean and going with more of a normal rotation that they think, which would include Mike off the bench. But we'll see. I'm probably in trouble. Yeah, well, I'm I'm a known uh, I I back out of bad big decisions, so I okay. probably won't end up doing that. So okay. we'll we'll just leave that as is. So similar question: After K State beats Iowa State by seventy in the Big Twelve tournament semifinals, right. and they're playing Texas in the Big Twelve tournament championship game, what's going to be the starting five for that game? You imagine the tens of Longhorn fans that would be there for that game? Oh, uh-huh. it would be rowdy. They, they all wear that. That, that matching hat, right? Oh, I do like those guys. They sit above the exit, you know? Like, yeah. Um, but anywho, uh, David Sloan, Cartier Jada, Dejuan Gordon, Xavier Sneed, and McCall Wayne would be my five there. And I probably even feel better about guessing that five than the five I did for the opener. So I don't know what that says for me, but that's what I'm, that's what I'm going with. Well, I really like I like the sounds of that team. I'm looking forward to this basketball season. I think it's going to be a fun one. Uh, next prediction for that one, and we got two more predictions before we get you out of here. Where does K-State basketball finish in the Big 12 this season, and what seed do they have in the NCAA tournament? I have fourth place right now, and I think that's what I'll put them when you know when we get a chance to fill out our ballot and stuff. Um, I, I probably yeah, fourth place I feel pretty good about. And then I, I went back and forth my head between seven and eight seed, but I would say an eight seed. So I'm going fourth in the league, an eight seed, and I think um, it's a pretty gosh darn good year. And I think it'll be high. I mean, I think you're going to see the media pick K-State more in the six or seven range. Um, so I think four will sound a little high at the end of the day, but uh, I believe in it. I like it. And then uh, lastly, before we give you the final word, 
Um, what was your old favorite animal before otters took that number one spot on Friday? It was probably basset hound specifically. And I, and since we asked this question the first time and I said basset hound, I've seen a basset hound commercial since then. And I was like, oh, man, so that was good, basset hounds. Um, so, yeah, but otters have some similar qualities, you know, just really, really cute, very non-threatening. But the thing that otters add is that little bit of like, you know, like a little bit of like pizzazz. They might do something. They might dunk a basketball. You know, they might do something fun in the water. So they are probably the new number one. And I didn't even know it until you guys started it. I didn't even understand how much I love them. And now I know. Well, perfect. Boneheads, anytime you come across a very cute or funny otter gif picture or video, make sure you send it to Matt Hall. That's our new thing. All right, so uh, as always, we give the guests, you know, the the final platform before we sign off. So let the Boneheads know where, uh, A, they can find you on Twitter and tell everyone what they should be expecting from K-State Online the next couple weeks is now we are in a situation where almost every Saturday from here on out, K-State is going to be playing football, basketball, all sorts of stuff, and we're basically busy until Bruce cuts down the nets in April, so let, let everyone know what to expect over the next couple of weeks over on K-State Online. I mean, that is how it's going to end. We already know, so but and that's a ways away. So, yeah, like you said on Twitter, uh, at Matthew underscore D underscore Hall. Um, it's a really long one, but I apologize for that. Uh, and then on the site, like you just said, it's going to be fun because there'll be so much going on. Um, really, the next two months will be will be full of stuff every day. And then beyond that, until, again, until April or so, there's going to be college basketball, um, recruiting, of course, we have K-State's going to have their basketball media day the, 20, the 16th. Big 12 media day is the 23rd. There'll be a scrimmage to be seen um, for fans for basketball during a, you know, on a game weekend, I'm sure, sometime around that. You have the first one on the 25th. So, yeah, there's just there's just a lot. I'm not going to do a very good job of selling the site to people. You know, I think they hopefully know about it by now. But um, if you if you have considered it, we'd love to have you on there. I think there'll be a lot of stuff worth seeing. If you don't have the money or don't want to do that, I respect that, too. Go to the YouTube page. Hitting the red subscribe button on our page there actually helps us, you know, financially, too. So you could do that. Um, and then just thanks to you guys again. You know, every time I come on here, I say the same kind of thing, but it's because I feel it. You know, I remember hearing the show the first time when I was, you know, uh, I guess I was in Charlotte or Atlanta at that point. It must have been Atlanta, you know, for the NCAA tournament and, and thinking it was really cool that there was more voices to this. And my point is, I guess I'm getting to I'll stop just praising you, is if you're somebody who listens to this show but you haven't tweeted about it or you haven't asked a friend to listen to it yet, um, now is a good time to do that and help spread the word about them because that's the best way to make them grow. And uh, it's good for everybody. It's good for all the sites and all the podcasts that cover K-State. And I appreciate you guys. You hey, more than hey. Grant. You more than Grant specifically <laughs> um, for the record. Oh, man, I appreciate that. I think Grant appreciates it. Uh, yep. You know, we love K-State Online. We've had all – we need to get your intern on uh, soon. Oh, you do. He's, he's, pretty, he's pretty good. Yeah, yeah I mean, I mean necessarily. It'd be pretty fun. It'd be pretty good. So he's the only one we haven't had on from your guys' side. Even Natalie Hall has made a true. Uh, an appearance during the yearbook episode. Um, we, we appreciate your guys' friendship and help. Uh, again, you know, we, we've said it a million times. Uh, anyone who wants to read, uh, you know, premium information about K-State sports, they want information about recruiting. K-State Online is literally the only site worth subscribing to. Uh, so we love you guys. Uh, we're going to sign off. Boneheads, we love you guys unconditionally. Thank you for, you know, helping us grow to this point. Uh, go check out the Teespring store for your Octagon of Booze shirt so we can get Rob Cassidy out for a yes. Miller Light High or Miller High Life drink off at a, 
UMKC game or on my couch. Uh, we'll make either one happen. We'll live stream it. Uh, it's going to be a great time. So buy your shirt if you want that to happen. Grant is either at the cat head or stuck in the bayou somewhere. And we'll be back on Wednesday for our TCU preview episode. Oh, should I say something? Meet us at the cat head. <laughs> there you go. All right. Perfect. Podcast Network.